Okay, so today's guest is a brilliant, sassy, oral care loving SLP who suffered from major baby burnout, and she was brave enough to take all of us SLPs in the Insta world on her journey as she transitioned from working with pediatrics with severe profound disabilities to working with acute care inpatient adults. Y'all, I am talking about none other than the delightful Sarah Brashears, the beautiful woman behind short and sweet speech on Instagram. Y'all, the first time I saw her pictures, honest to goodness, she was in scrubs holding an oral care kit. And like, I seriously thought it was my hot youngest sister because um, she's a uh, she's a cardiac RN who knows how to advocate for oral care. And double take, it was not Maddie Pie. It was Sarah. Um, and she's an SLP who knows how to advocate for oral care. Also, Maddie Pie does, and she also likes to brag at the dinner table at family gatherings about how many ribs she broke, like resuscitating her patients. But they were resuscitated, so better her than I on the medical end of things. <laughs> but anywho, I have followed along with Sarah on her professional journey, which took her from the world of peds to that of adults, and somehow from Oklahoma to Florida. And y'all, I got up the courage to ask her to join us to talk about what to do when you feel the baby blues of baby burnout and how to find your muchness as an SLP again. Because y'all, let's face it, sometimes we need a break from the tiny humans and that's okay. We can recreate who we are. So yay, Sarah, you're here and I'm so happy. I want to hear about Oklahoma, the conference, the puppies, um, you, you have, is it Betty White and something Jack? Yes, I have Betty White and Jack Black. <laughs> Jack Black. I was so close. I, all I could think of was, um, was my the, the comedian Jack. And I was like, no, yeah. no. I don't think that's right. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm so excited. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm excited to talk about this. I think that it's something that, um, so many people are dealing with, especially right now with everything going on in the world. Um, so I'm, I'm super excited to talk about it. Yes. And I'm just, I was like, she's going to be like, who is this crazy gray haired woman? Because like COVID hair is like a real situation and trying to get into my stylist has been a nightmare. And I was like, but she's going to be like, who is this crazy gray haired woman? Like reaching out to say, come, please come do this. But this (laughs) is, this is, this is a real situation. We are all as a country fatigued and everybody needs a change of place um, to kind of move us, to kind of get us going in a different direction. And um, I'm kind of curious how you made such a giant leap from peds to adult inpatient. But let me backtrack. What made you want to be a speech pathologist in the first place? Because we're kind of an anomaly in and of a nutshell. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So... Speech, I always say, like, I did not find speech pathology. Speech pathology found me because it was a total accident on my on my part. But um, I think God knew what he was doing there. Yes, so, absolutely. <laughs> um, I actually had an advisor in undergrad that just let me, like, pick my classes, make my own schedule, do my thing, and um, which was totally fine until I accidentally – enrolled myself into a course that I thought was going to be like more sociology based 
um, it was intro to communication disorders. So um, whenever I started, <laughs> on the first day, I was like, oh, this is not what I thought it was. <laughs> but, <laughs> I, you know, <laughs> on the first day of class, everyone does the, hi, my name is Sarah and I'm in this class because da 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 And um, I listened to all of these people talk about why they wanted to be an SLP and how it had affected their grandpa or themselves or, you know, they wanted to be a teacher, but they wanted to do, you know, something that was a little more versatile that you could work in more than just the schools if you wanted to, or um, they wanted to be a nurse, but they couldn't handle needles or blood. And I was like, Hey, or some broken ribs. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, me too. Like, I want all of these things. And um, at the time, I, it was it was January of my senior year, and like I had no idea what I was doing. I knew that I should probably go to grad school because um, my undergrad degree was not something that I really wanted to go into. By the time I got to my senior year, I finally figured that out. Wait, what's your what's your undergrad? Um, it's, so the degree is human development and family science, which really lent itself to speech pathology, but the program was designed for people who wanted to be a child life specialist and, yeah. Um, and after talking with a few child life specialists, I realized that I, I didn't think that I could shoulder the weight of that job. And so, um, I decided, and it's, it's like weirdly highly competitive and, um, like there's not a lot of opportunity for the internship and the practicum and everything that you have to do in Oklahoma and which is where I was at, um, Mm -hmm. school. And so I just knew that I wanted to do something else and God was like, here you go. We're going to enroll you in this wrong class, but it's actually the right class. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I, I like I loved all of the things that people said, you know, I wanted to be a teacher growing up. Um, and I love, 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 love the medical field. And I'm so fascinated by anatomy and by neurology. And just, it was like, it was the perfect combination of all the things that I loved. So I changed my graduation plans. And uh, eight, there you are. nine years later, here I am. <laughs> I, I accidentally rolled in a business math class like a lifetime ago. And I was like, oh, oh. I sat through the first night's <laughs> lecture and I was like, oh my God, this is not like, I thought it was statistics. I don't know how I misread BUS math into statistics because, <laughs> but life fact, but it was, the professor was I'll be, I'll be easy, like honest. He was easy on the eyes. So I stayed in the class because I had a hot professor. <laughs> so like, <laughs> but little did I know that would come in handy when I decided to open my own, my own business. So that thank you, God, and the hot professor. Yeah, there it is. So long that story short, if you, if you want to open your own private practice, find you a hot business math teacher. Okay. All right. So. You, you, you got in, you started working with the tiny humans and you felt the burnout, but 
How did that impact you? I mean, you were only like a handful of years out of school, it feels like, and then it hit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, so I, in preparation for us to talk about this today, I was doing a little bit of research to see like how wide or how many people this really affects. And, um, you know, like having a little bit of a science background, you kind of nerd out on the statistics. So I wanted <laughs> yeah. to see what those looked like. Um, and it affects like way more. It was much higher than I thought. And one thing that I saw too was that it's not always people that have been out of school and practicing for a really long time. Um, you know, it can be a much faster process than what I guess I had dreamt up in my head that it would be. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and so, um, yeah, I just, I feel like it affects so many people and I didn't even know that burnout was a thing whenever I was like going through it the first time. Um, mm-hmm. and so I think, you know, people being more aware of it, that it is a thing that it's very common and that it doesn't make you a bad speech pathologist. It doesn't make you a bad person. Like it happens and there's ways that it manifests. And then there's ways that you can reorganize and kind of not fix it, but prevent it from happening in your current situation or down the road. Setting boundaries. Yes. That's yes. that's, I, that's, that's huge like, for me. Yeah, that I feel like, in fact, in my notes, I was like, it's all about balance and Mm -hmm. it's all about boundaries to create that balance. I suck at creating boundaries. Like I'll be like, I, I do like I work nonstop until I'm through with an an idea. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, but the catch is thank you ADD, they just kind of keep going. And so I have to redirect. Wait, do you know Jesse Andrix, the, um, the, oh my gosh, why did I just brain, brain fart on hers? Um, the SLP, the stress management SLP. Um, she's, Oh my God. I love her. She's also like got tiny humans in total chaos too, which makes me feel normal. And, um, she was talking about how we have to do, instead of having like a to-do list, having like a daily must-do list. And that has helped with my burnout with, um, balancing wife, mom, work, Mm -hmm. work, work, and work. That is funny and, when you say that because I literally I have never done this before, but I actually made a must do list today, and it was like these are the things that I have must do. I have to get these done today, and then there's other things that if I have extra time and I want to, I can do those. Yes, that that will that is that is huge and has just oh my god, I can't tell you how much better it has helped. I mean, every once in a while, somehow or another, my must-do turns into a to-do, and then I'm like, ooh, in the doo-doo, but like, otherwise, you know, we, <laughs> I'm working on it. Okay, so, so you, you phrased this opener interesting. You said that it has saved you, you've had burnout a couple of times. So how, what did the burnout, how did it manifest for you? What are, what were your warning signs? What should we look out for? So, um, 
I feel like I have kind of gone through three different burnouts, which maybe not as severe in some situations as others. But um, one thing that is like the telltale, like, okay, we need to make a change whenever I see this Mm -hmm. happening is like, I mean, I know that most people probably don't spring up out of bed and they're like, yes, I can't wait to go to work today. (laughs) But you mean you don't wake up like Cinderella? I mean, I'm just saying. (laughs) There are days whenever I feel like that, you know, if you have like something special going on, but that's not your normal, your typical daily morning, whatever. Um, But whenever I feel myself like, snoozing extra and laying in bed and just like really dreading the day and like thinking that being sick would actually be better than going to work right now. And whenever whenever you're working in a hospital and you walk by an empty bed and you're like, man, I mean, I'm thankful for my health, but also I really wouldn't mind being a patient right now because someone would be taking care of me instead of me taking care of everyone else. So those are like the main thing that whenever I start feeling that I realize that I'm out of balance and things need to change or it just gets worse. Um, but I- that is That is so raw and honest. Yeah, <laughs> I, I can't, but I mean, like, I, and that's hard. I know how hard it is to be that raw and yes. Oh my, yes. It makes you feel kind of like, it made me feel kind of like a jerk because like who wants to be a patient? And I know like I've had so many family members in the hospital recently over the last few years. And it's like, whenever that's your family member, you would give literally anything for them to not be the one in that bed. Um, but I think that that speaks to like, almost like the level of desperation for change. Like whenever that sounds like a good idea, it's time to, to make an adjustment. Okay. So what, yeah, but (laughs) okay. I'm just, I'm just thinking back on the moments in my life where for me, it would be anxiety and anger. Like if I'm walking away at the end of the day and I am walking away angry at something not getting done or I am anxious on my way home about what will unfold tomorrow, mm-hmm. then that is like in your, then that is, that is telling you something. Okay. Mm-hmm. Christian, that's my husband. He's super nerdy. He had me watch Brene Brown. I love the man. I mean, he, he was like, he's like, you need to watch Brene Brown. She will speak to you. You need, you need to hear this message. And so we were, it was all about, um, being in the Coliseum, like stepping up and like getting in the Coliseum and, and fighting the good fight. Right. That like mm-hmm. the good Lord laid out, like, but do the thing. Um, also I love that she loves Jesus and cusses. It makes me feel at home. But, um, <laughs> she, she said in this one thing in this one vignette that her and her husband were talking to each other and she was self-conscious about being in her bathing suit. And she was like, I was telling myself a narrative about 
this is, um, he doesn't want to see me in a bathing suit anymore, blah, 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 blah. And that's not why Christian and I were watching it, but like we ended up watching the whole thing. It's on Netflix. Oh my God. We ended up watching the whole thing. And she used the word, but this is the narrative that I'm telling myself. Mm-hmm. And that's when I see those, that's my red flag for burnout is when I start having anxiety and anger because I am telling myself a narrative that has yet to unfold, but I can feel it. That is, that is Michelle needs to make a change moment. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like, that's amazing that you like, whenever you have that awareness, you're able to make the change and adjust before it gets really ugly. <laughs> yeah. Cause <laughs> we can, my family's known for a little bit of temper. So what is ugly, honey? Ooh. <laughs> Yeah, we'll just get lost <laughs> over that and go to the whiskey around the fire pit and the kids swinging on the playground. <laughs> Life's good. We're fine. It's fine. Okay. Fine. So, so we're, are, what are the other, any other um, tips or advice for other potential presentations and burnout? Um, so I actually made a list for this because I think I if this. people take away nothing else, um, that this is like what I want everyone else to know. Um, well, not only this, but just that it's normal and that everyone goes through it. But, um, so my things that I feel like are important for me and like, like this is my experience and for everyone, different things may work. Um, but like you said, it's all about balance and like Mm -hmm. I can deal with all the crap, all the crap. I can deal with it for eight hours a day. But then I have to step away and, and I have to step away to be able to come back and to be able to advocate for change and advocate for improvement and, you know, be the best SLP. I can't do that if I'm only being an SLP. So, Mm -hmm. you know, don't take that extra shift every single time. I wish, oh, I wish I could go back to new grad Sarah who really just like you know you're like on fire and you love your career and you are so excited that you know you take the extra shift you take the extra patient you don't say no ever and you don't even Mm -hmm. like at the time you don't feel like you need to say no or you want to say no like you're you're happy to do it and you're happy to be there but eventually your gas tank is going to hit E and if you're if you're not doing anything to refuel yourself like you're going to run out of gas <laughs> and so for me like i think like you said like it's about setting boundaries and you know there will i i had um a hand in mentoring a cf at the hospital and she became one of my very best friends um and she isn't that beautiful how that works Yes. I'm just, uh, I love the dynamic dynamicism. Am I saying that word right? I need our tick therapy <laughs> of a mentorship and how much it gives back to each end of that. Yes. Sorry. I just got lost in the beauty. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I agree. I'm very thankful for her. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, she was kind of doing the same thing and like never saying no. And I was like, listen, there's always, always going to be another patient that needs to be seen. There's always going to be a new eval 
there's always going to be treatment that, you know, somebody could use more of. Um, in the schools, there's always going to be another activity that you can plan and prep, another IEP. Like, there's always something. So to strive to get it all done is impossible. And, like, you can only do what you can do. You're only one person. You cannot save everyone. You cannot fix everyone. And as, once you realize that, I think you can give yourself a little more grace and see, you know, where you can set those boundaries. Um, and that's hard sometimes. That's hard to say, you know what, I'm going to go home instead of going and seeing that new eval that came in. 30 minutes after I was already supposed to leave. Um, But like that for me, if I could go back and teach the the new hire, Sarah, whenever she first started (laughs) that lesson, that would save, would have saved me like so much just like resentment and anxiety and but this is this is the truth. Also, I think my 37-year-old soul needed to hear that too. So maybe new grad selves, but that's a life lesson because yeah. that is because our seasons change. And one of my colleagues told me yesterday, actually last night, it was <laughs> it was late and I was pulling into home late. I have been working 14 plus hour days three days a week for the last couple of months. And she was like, Michelle, I'm a new mom and I really need to find my balance because something's got to give and I'm, I'm, I'm fading. And I was like, yep. I, I, and that's advice that's so much easier to give permission to a colleague, but to give permission to yourself. I feel like, I feel like I'm failing if I say that to myself. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, mm-hmm. you know, there's so much pressure and especially on women. I'm not discounting the pressure on men because they have their own battles, but um, even, mm-hmm. even the research shows that women are more likely to go through burnout than men. And I mean, I, I feel like there's just so much pressure to do more, work more, be more, take the extra shift or the extra patient, take on a side business, like take on being president of the PTO or you're planning your state conference. <laughs> what, are you, what, are you, what are you talking about? Wake up. I'm going to write a freaking book in two weeks. Did you hear that? Siri agrees. I'm sorry. Oh, I started using Siri, but the thing is, I don't know how to turn Siri off, but Siri makes me feel safer when I'm driving. Maybe I should I should cover up the microphone. Yes. Okay. Sorry. See, I, I talk to her when I'm driving. Honest to God. <laughs> okay. Okay. Now everybody knows just how nuts I am. But yeah, see, we, we, do, we do do that. Okay. So we figured out some do you have more on your list? We sidetracked from your list. Is is there more burnout signs on your list? Yes. Um, more signs, yeah. Yeah. Um, so um after reading up on burnout and what it is and how it manifests and all of that, um, everything that I was reading, like it was like it almost gave me permission to feel how I was already feeling and like 
okay, so I'm not the only one. Um, and so like there are kind of like a set of signs or manifestations or whatever you want to call them that people experience whenever they are burnout or they're heading in that direction. And overall, like fatigue really is like the giant umbrella that they all fall under, you know, going home and passing out after work, not having anything left in your tank to do fun things. So you're not interested in fun things. You're short tempered. Um, you're, you're grumpy. You're discontent and you feel like whenever you feel that I call it feeling itchy like you feel like you're just like itching for something new restless yes restlessness yes that's that's how I describe it I'm feeling restless something's got to give that's oh my god literally the phrase I tell my husband yes Mm -hmm. yeah Mm. and I feel like it's all overall just like a low state of living like you're not living your best life like not to be cliche (laughs) but it's just, it's just kind of a low state. I mean, you're fatigued, you're worn out. It's just kind of a low state. Um, and I mean, that's all of the research that I read just kind of validated that, okay, what I have been feeling, what I have felt in the past is typical of burnout. And did you know that burnout uh, has an ICD-10 like definition? Wait. What? Yeah, had no idea. Um, that is the coolest fact. Yeah. <laughs> the the definition, according to ICD-10, is state of vital exhaustion. And I was like, yes. Yes, that's exactly what it feels like. Wait, please tell me you also have the ICD-10 code. Um, Do you have? I did earlier. I, if I, I feel like I should, that's when I should ask Siri, Siri, what's the ICD? Wait, let me not do that. She'll start talking to me again. And I have her in an Irish accent, <laughs> but like that's, that's, this is fantastic information and validation because there's something powerful in having a code, like getting the pediatric feeding disorders code. There's power in a code. And the fact that there's power in a ICD-10 burnout code is profound. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So you, you figured this out, you recognized it in your life and you're brave enough to admit it. You recognized it three times. I'm, I'm going to turtle it for a minute and, and get back to you on the frequency with which I have felt vital fatigue. Um, <laughs> and, um, but how did you address it? Cause that's, this is the, this is the, the change maker here. Mm-hmm. So, um, each time I have kind of felt like this and been experiencing this, I decided to make a change in my environment. Um, so that sometimes is moving to another state. <laughs> sometimes- <laughs> Doesn't have to be quite so extreme, but, um, yeah. No, I get it. (laughs) Sometimes you need a change in setting. I feel like right now, um, I mean, I left my hospital job a month and a half ago and it was my, it was, it was my dream job. If you would have asked me four years ago, 
Um, but I think there's, there were a lot of reasons that I was feeling burnout, but COVID does not help any of it. And I have seen other friends walking away from medical settings and I like recently, and I feel like the state of the world in general doesn't help, but COVID definitely doesn't help it. Mm -hmm. Um, so for me and for other people, sometimes you, you have to make the change and change settings. And like, I know that sounds scary, but you can do it. Um, you know, do it ethically and like get your, get up on your continuing ed that you need to be a competent clinician in another setting. But for me, that was, and you know, I'm single and don't have kids. And so I can do that. I can up and move to Florida whenever I want to. Um, but if you, if you can't do that, you can make changes in your environment. And, um, one thing that I read that, or no, sorry, I didn't read it. I heard it on a podcast. Um, oh goodness. It's something fried and it's a burnout podcast. There's like, there's like whole podcasts about this. Um, but she, yeah, I know. I didn't know. Like I didn't realize it was as big of a thing. Um, but she talks about, you know, people tell you, Oh, keep a gratitude journal, which I'm like huge fan of gratitude practice. But she said, whenever your brain is in the burnout state, trying to find things to be thankful for whenever you're really not feeling very thankful can actually like make things worse. So she said, instead, at first, whenever you realize that this is going on, make a resentment journal. And I was like, Oh my gosh, that sounds like so pessimistic. And you know, like I, I'm, of what we're taught. Yeah. I was like, I'm feeling kind of like angsty, just like, like a teenage punk rock Michelle is like, yeah, I hate this and I hate this. And like, <laughs> I dealt with teenage Michelle a long time ago. She's a dark, scary place. We don't want to go back. <laughs> <laughs> well, so <laughs> that's exactly how I was feeling. I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know about that. I don't know. I agree with you. <laughs> but she said, you know, whenever you're feeling resentment and you're feeling all the negativity that you feel whenever you are burnt out, writing it down, one, is a good way to kind of release it. But whenever you have it, you have this list of things that you feel resentment about, that shows you the areas in which you need to make a change. And oh my God, that's so powerful. Isn't that good? I take no credit for oh. that at all. Like, um, I'm going to have to send you the podcast name because I cannot think of it. It's something fried. Deep fried? No, I don't know. But <laughs> um, come on, baby. We're, we're basically so Oklahoma, Florida. You might as well be Southern. Everything's fried yeah. here. Yes. <laughs> The place in town that has the best and healthiest um, vegetarian burger also is known for the deep fried waffle corn dog. That's probably the opposite of that is my husband's. So, oh my goodness. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the Google. Um, I did find the ICD-10 code really quick. Um, hold on. It was Z73. Point zero. The official ICD-10 code for burnout is Z73-0. 
Um, yeah, seventy three point zero. I guess I should have put a point seventy three point zero, but like, yeah, okay. I will. I will look for the burnout. That is, I love we. Okay, so we play the grateful game on the way to work. Okay, let me backtrack. I'm driving the tiny humans to school, uh, two days a week now. My, I used to do it five, but my husband does the other three. And on the days when I'm not taking them to school, we we're super cheesy, right? So we eat breakfast together as a family, and. That's a great way to start my day, but we all sit down and we talk about what we're grateful for. But Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm the daughter of divorced parents. And so we're healthy now, but mm, Mm -hmm. not necessarily. There was family burnout there Mm -hmm. and growing up. And so I took that little be notes to myself in retrospect, the resentment that I felt for my childhood friends having those moments and channeled Mm -hmm. into gratitude. And so we do that on the way to school or at the breakfast table. And it is amazing to me the things that actually cause me stress as a mom that brings the kids gratitude, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Because like I'll get – we. Working mom problems 101, we get burnout trying to keep track of all of the extras. Like this morning on the way to school, the children forgot their face masks. And let me just say, this far into the pandemic, I am your mother, not your maid. If you forgot your face mask, kid, you're going to wear a shirt around your nose all day long. And that was my knee-jerk response. Well, that's not a good response. So we stopped and we got a face mask and got paper ones at the food line on the way into the grocery or in the way into school. And they came home from school and that huge stressor, that source of resentment that like, oh my God, we have to make one more stop on the way. I'm late to my first patient. I'm stressed, burnout. I feel the crescendo happening. I picked them up from school and they were like, we love these fake masks. They're so much more comfortable. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Um, well, and that's, so that's another thing that she talks about on, um, it's called fried. I looked it up. It's just fried the burnout podcast. Love um, it. Love it. But that's another thing that she talks about is, you know, burnout doesn't just happen at work. Um, I did yeah. see that. ICD-11 is coming out in 2022, and they have changed the definition of burnout um, to include something about workplace stressors. Um, But it's not Mm -hmm. just your workplace. It can be literally any area of your life, Um, your relationship. Maybe it's your role as a mom. Maybe it's, you know, some extracurricular that you've signed up for that you're just like, you know what? I am spent. I don't have anything left to give here. Um, and so, and I don't know. I think that like I immediately have this reaction in my heart of like guilt, just even saying mm-hmm. that out loud just now. And Again, I think it goes back to like there's so much pressure as women to give and give and give and give and bend and bend for everyone else. But and apologize. Oh my gosh, yes, yeah. But eventually, you will break. I mean, if you continue to bend for everyone else, you will break eventually. And I just, I don't know. I think like it's it's so much more common in women, but also in people who have helping 
professions, you know, that are mm-hmm. giving all day long to our patients, to our clients. And then we're coming home and we're giving to our kids, to our partners, to our dogs. To our puppies. Yes. Yeah. yeah I feel like a bad dog mom sometimes because whenever I come home, I'm like, you know what? I love you, but just get off of me. <laughs> <laughs> trust me for you (laughs) yes yes i i i get that oh my god dog is dying dude and i come home some days and i'm like girlfriend i need to pee by myself but like she will like sneak into the bathroom because the boys know they're not supposed to do that now but like dog just burges on it and i'm like i get it you are actively dying but today i just need 32 seconds (laughs) Get out. Uh, Bless her sweet little big giant heart. Oh my God. Uh, Yes. Okay. So, so when you, you, when you had all this happen in your life, I mean, ethically, we can't just like up and go from one end of the swallow to the other. I mean, not technically like oral sphincter to anal. Okay. That went dark. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh my god this has been a week of mondays it's the full moon i'm blaming the full moon this is aaron's fault somehow um but when we go from peds to adults this is going to end up on the internet somewhere sarah this is not going to end well but where how did you ethically make that transition like you what courses did you take? What research did you do in order to feel prepped? And then how in the blue blazes did you get a hospital gig after PEDS experience? Because that's a lot. what a lot of people want to know too. Uh-huh. This is uh-huh. by far the question that I receive the most in the DMs. Um, <laughs> wait, I know what that means now. And I feel really cool <laughs> that I know that. Wait. It's the it's the download messages or da- d- direct message. That's the word. Direct message. Direct I promise I'm cool. Yeah. Oh my god. I, I'm I'm a teenager of pagers. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um. So how did I make the switch from peds to acute? Um. Like I said, this is like the golden question. Um. I had a phenomenal dysphagia course in grad school. Um, and then I got to do a rotation with the professor from that course. And, um, she specializes in swallowing in head neck cancer. Um, I actually did not get to do a cue in grad school, but that rotation, like fork in the road in my life. I mean, it changed me as a person. It changed me as a clinician, um, I am forever indebted to her. She, she was wonderful. So I had background in it and I had some training, you know, not definitely not enough. And it had been three years. So I did all the CEUs. Um, I was on MedBridge doing any swallowing CEUs I could get my hand on hands on. Um, I did Dr. Humbert's normal swallowing 101. I, 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 I think she's a gift to mankind. Oh yes. Yes. I actually yes. did an interview with her on Sunday, 
I think earlier this week and I adore her like as a human, mm-hmm. as a woman, as a speech pathologist, like at, mm-hmm. she's just, she's amazing. Um, mm-hmm. But that normal swallow 101 genuinely like game changer, not being dramatic. I don't get paid anything to say this. Like <laughs> she just lays out all of the things for you that I think in grad school, not having any experience with it, that level of information may have been too much and like gone way over my head. But Mm -hmm. after being out for a little bit, um, doing more CEUs, getting more in-depth education, that course, like 10 out of 10 recommend. (laughs) It is so good. Um, And then I did, you know, whenever you're looking at um, trachs and valves. I did passing mirror education. It's free online. They're free. Yes. I have told all of my students when they have their medical placement, I'm like, you will take these CEUs before I send you out or you, we will not send you out yeah. because you have to have the acute setting with COVID going on. You have to have them. Yes. Absolutely. Um, and really like I went to, even whenever I was working Pete's private practice, I went to conferences that were geared, like it was, um, it's Vanderbilt's conference. It's the best practices in medical SLP. And mm-hmm. they hold that annually, don't they? Yes. And also, yeah. again, don't get paid anything to say this, but you should go. <laughs> um, everyone yes. who has any interest in being medical I definitely recommend it um, because they cover, you know, not just swallowing, but like the whole spectrum. Um, So education was huge. And just being whenever I did get the the, um, hospital job, um, not being afraid to say, hey, I don't know what to do with this. Um, There was an instance where I was being asked to see a trach patient and I did not feel comfortable. It was a brand new trach. And, um, I just said, you know, I can't, I am not equipped to do that. And I think because our career can be very high pressure, like highly competitive, um, sometimes, especially getting into the medical world, Mm-hmm. It might be hard to say that, to say, I don't know what I'm doing, but I think that being able to say that not only helps you learn, but like can save someone's life because you can make really big mistakes if you don't know what you're doing. So being able to say, Hey, I need help. Um, that was a huge way that I learned, um, and got comfortable and didn't feel like I was going in blind, which you should never do. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. You work in the world of early intervention. We basically fly blind to every single patient's <laughs> health because, you know, it's EI. You don't need the medical records. You're just there to make the tiny humans talk. So, like, mm-hmm. it's cool. We're fine. All <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, the disdain and angst. And this gets me back to what, it, what what's the, the word before gratitude? Resentment. That's Resentment. the list I need to work on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But so I think we got like sidetracked on the resentment journal. But <laughs> <laughs> That's a great thing, though. <laughs> oh, man. 
Oh, um, God, we're fine. <laughs> are they going to, like, break this up and splice it back together for it? No! <laughs> Trust me, it's a room full of SLPs that are listening, and they're like, no, we are totally hanging with the thread of this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, but so that's just it. You You went above and beyond to pursue the courses to make you – ready to go into the next setting and then we're not afraid to ask the question when you got in the next setting mm-hmm. and that's the biggie yeah I, this and is another thing is that I and I know that this isn't always an option for everyone but I was willing to relocate um my first hospital job I moved from Nashville to Washington State And, um, it was a travel job and it was actually like half peds outpatient and half acute. So I had half the experience and I wanted (laughs) to learn the other half. And so, um, I did that for like four and a half months to cover that. contract, And it was, it was perfect. But if I hadn't been able to move, there was nothing in Nashville that was ever going to give me a shot with eight weeks experience in grad school. And I mean, you can have as much education as you want, but sometimes that's not enough. Um, I, it is not lost on me how blessed my stars were that I worked somewhere where I could, was willing to commute 45 minutes one way to have a rural position as a CF working inpatient, outpatient. Mm-hmm. And that, and I, but I was willing, and I was in a position where I could commute and do those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's okay. So one of the recommendations, because I had a, um, I, I've given this recommendation before. If if you are in a position where you cannot move, and that happens then you're going to have to be willing to work the grunt shifts, right? Mm -hmm. Be willing to pick up your low man on the stick, right? So you need to be willing to pick up the, um, the weekend shifts, the holiday shifts, and everybody gives sniffs a bad rep, but sniffs are beautiful in their own right because you get to take care of individuals that I would love to have the ability to work at a nursing home, but my grandma raised me. So when I see everybody else's grandma, like I just want to run around and hug all the old people. That is not evidence-based practice. (laughs) So like not going to work, but that is a great, that's a great way to start a journey into, um, into, adulthood, I guess, into working with adults. Adult, it's probably not the right word. Um, And and being able, reaching out to a friend and requesting, hey, if you know the friend that works in with adults, Mm -hmm. can I come observe you for a couple of days on my days off? Can I come see you work next weekend? I need you to teach me. Being teachable, that is huge. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Networking, I never realized like I mean yes it's important we all know it's important but I never realized like how important and how much it can pay off 
um, until I actually moved to Florida. And, um, you know, I had posted on Instagram my story about why I'm moving and I'm so excited. Da, 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 da. And I had someone reach out to me on Instagram. And she was like, hey, um, I'm actually in the area and, you know, just wanted to say hi. Also, I work for a hospital here and we have PRN available. Would you be interested? Oh my God. Are you serious? Not kidding. And, you know, like one of the things that I like really, really wanted that I could not have at my old job was I wanted to learn trauma and we were not a trauma center. Um, and I really wanted to learn fees. Like that's like, I'm good with videos, but fees is like, you know, next thing on like my professional checklist. Yeah. And yeah, this hospital is going to allow me to do both. So I was like, okay. All your prayers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was perfect. So definitely, you know, networking and, and just building relationships because then whenever there is something that comes up that would be a perfect fit for you, the person that needs to know that knows you and they can connect you. Um, that gets back to work hard, be kind. That's our boys school motto, work hard, be kind, because when you're doing that and you're truly building each other up and just celebrating each other's joys, big wins, little wins. Hey, you survive today without a paper cut, then that is a win that it pays it forward. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love I must, that as a school motto. Isn't that a great school motto for the tiny humans? Yes. I, I, I thought that. <laughs> yes. I mean, they, they say it in English and then in Mandarin, and I'm really grateful that they say it in English first because I, I know what they're saying. So that's wonderful. Yes. Um, oh, I love wait, that. Wait, they're, they're at a Mandarin immersion school. That doesn't make sense out of out of context. But yes, so half the day's taught in Mandarin, half the day's in English, and I speak English and bad English. So we're fine. <laughs> okay, so, <laughs> so we have we have a couple of minutes left. So what advice do you have for new grads or to avoid burnout, but also the seasoned SLPs to avoid it? What what advice do you have for us? So um aside well Number one is set your boundaries. Even if you feel like you don't need to because you love your job oh so much, set your boundaries because if you don't, one day you're not going to love your job oh so much. Um, Stop Mm -hmm. taking work home with you. It's so hard. It's so hard for me. But I was going to say, aren't you and I both doing work right now? But this is really work. This is fun. (laughs) I get to celebrate nerdiness with other fellow (laughs) colleagues. This is fine. Yeah, that's not Uh, (laughs) But, you know, doing documentation at home in your bed, like, that's not a good boundary. That's not respecting your personal space. You're not respecting your own personal space. Um, And, you know... (laughs) This like goes without saying it's the, it, do all the crap that we know that we're supposed to do. Do the self-care, drink your water, get sleep. Like that is a boundary that you have to have a certain amount of sleep and you're not going to invade that time to 
do other things for work or whatever it is that you are feeling burnout with. Um, you know, do the self-care that's, it's not just a face mask. It's not just a bath bomb. It's not like, you know, the Insta-worthy self-care. Sometimes self-care is going to see a counselor. Sometimes self-care is meditating, even if it's only for three minutes, to just calm your brain and make your brain focus on inner versus outer. Um, One of the things, going back to seeing a counselor, interesting to me, um, in the study that I read, there were... I can't remember what percentage said that they were depressed and or had suicidal thoughts, but out of those people, 64% had never sought help. And yep, like if you are in Oklahoma, I have a great counselor recommendation for you. DM me. Um, but you know, wherever you are, find a counselor, like find someone to go talk to. And, you know, even if, Again, even if you feel like you don't need it, it's not that serious. Like there's no shame in having an hour a week to just like let it all out. And, you know, it's it's not the stigma that people think that it is, but that's another soapbox. Um, <laughs> but, you know, really like it all comes back to balance and without boundaries, without taking care of yourself you're not going to have balance and like balance is a, a constant, um, a thing that you're like constantly striving for. It's never something that I'm like, Oh, I achieved it. I'm balanced now. Like it's every day that I try to have some kind of balance in my life where I'm taking care of myself, but also like striving to continue to be the best SLP that I can. But you know, without boundaries, I can't do that. I am a huge proponent of counseling. I went to counseling after I left my violently abusive ex-husband to find out I was not crazy for wanting to kill him by sending him an amaretto sour because he's allergic to almonds. But, you know, he did actually pull a gun on me. So, like, he legitimately tried to kill me. It was okay to have some resentment. Um, So, like, you know, domestic abuse survivor, it is Domestic Abuse Awareness Month. Get out, babies, because y'all, if you are in it, there is joy on the other side, the likes of which I I can't accurately convey. Um, it's fearful. It's a lot. But I found that when I had my burnout, when I was working in the public schools as an SLPA-ish a lifetime ago and in that horrible relationship, that that was that was what I needed was to get out, find the freedom and find a really, really good counselor with a great sense of humor. Um, also grad school's hard y'all balancing grad school is hard. So if you are a student, if you are, um, I see so many colleagues going back for their clinical science doctorates, their SLPDs, and they're trying to do that and work full time. PhDs, SLPDs, clinical science doctorates, educational doctorates, that is hard. And a lot of colleges and universities have free counseling sessions and they're good. They're not bad therapists. Mm -hmm. They'll give you a good therapist. Also, Frozen (laughs) 2, do the next right thing, gets me every time. And my husband knows when I have to take care of myself Mm 
And for me, it's a good cry. And like, I find faith in my music. And I know that's crazy, but like a good, a good hymn is right up there with Frozen to do the next right thing, in my opinion. And like Disney does not know or care who I am, but like that's a great song. And <laughs> but like the boys know if 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 it's Moana time, mommy's missing grandma and get the tissues. <laughs> so like, and that's. That's okay. But, okay, so the purpose of this whole hour, y'all, was to have the hard conversation. I mean, I am all about the warm and fuzzies and the lighthearted jokes, but this is a hard topic, and it's heavy, and it's overwhelming because burnout and stress, those are hard, heavy, overwhelming topics. And yeah, and make the change. It's hard, and then you feel guilty for feeling like it's hard. Yeah. So, yeah. It, yeah. Um, Glennon yeah. Doyle says in her book, and I quote it all the time, being human is hard. Yep. And I'm like, yes, girl. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. But I think mm. that we all have it. Even if it's tucked way down deep, we all have the power to make a change. I have been fretting over my tiny human and his um, Romeo ways and because he's five, right? He's got six girlfriends and that's a lot <laughs> for any kindergartner, okay? And he came home from school and he goes, came from school last week. He goes, mama, I only have one girlfriend. And I was like, Bobby, what happened to the other five? He goes, women are hard. And I was like... <laughs> I was torn between go to your room and at the same time, thank you, Jesus, because yes, I'm glad you figured this out in kindergarten. And so my response was, yeah, baby, we are hard. I'm so glad you figured this out now. And he goes, yeah, I'm just going with one. And then he meandered on to go play with Legos or something. And I was just like left alone in the kitchen for a few minutes. And I was like, we're going to be okay, God. We're going to be okay. <laughs> Like you found at such a young age. But we went from six to one. That's that's a great step in the right direction. But yes, life is hard. Women are hard. Change is hard. But we believe in you. Okay. So before we switch to questions, I do have to, um, I had to end on the high note and it was very completely true because we both celebrated when my husband got home. Okay. So <laughs> if Sarah, if folks want to learn more from you on your journey, how can they best reach you? Um, I am on all of the platforms, but I'm most active on Instagram. It's at short mm -hmm. and sweet speech. And um, that, I mean, I'm on Facebook too, but that's the best way to connect with me. And I love um, the whole SLP Insta community. I think mm -hmm. we're pretty fantastic. Um, and I love like getting to connect with new people on there. Mm -hmm. Yay. Oh, okay. <laughs> now, um, you, you, we opened with your Oklahoma convention and I just have to hear if somebody wants to learn more about the Oklahoma convention, can you talk to us a little bit about that? Because I know you busted your fabulous Katukas to get <laughs> high quality speakers and offer high quality CEUs. So like what, what happened here? What are y'all doing? Yeah. So, um, it is not the conference that I had envisioned because COVID, um, <laughs> I think that it, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> I think in a lot of ways they actually turned out better. Um, because 
it's all but two of our speakers have pre-recorded and uploaded their presentation. Um, so you can go and watch all of them. You don't have to choose between two speakers who are speaking at the same time. Um, you don't have to miss someone because you have to leave the conference early to um, run and grab the kids. Like you can do it whenever you want. It's going to be up and available for a solid year. So you can get 2020 hours and 2021 hours. Um, the two live presentations that we're going to have will be recorded and uploaded. So you'll even be able to catch those afterwards. And then um, if you are signed up between now and next week, there will be live Q&A Zoom sessions for you to talk with all of our presenters, ask questions, get that live interaction that we love at conferences. Um, and it's wildly affordable. You can find it all at oslha.org, or you can just Google the Oklahoma Speech-Language Hearing Association. Um, there, we're also on Instagram at osha.ok. Um, and we have phenomenal speakers, not just because I picked them, but because <laughs> they're like, I mean, really, really great. And we cover everything from NICU, uh, early intervention, there's school age, there's teletherapy, there's ethics. There's a ton of audiology stuff too that I think is really fascinating. Um, Teresa Richard is going to be on there. Carrie Ebert. I mean, like there's voice, like literally anything that you need. We got you. So I love this. Yeah. I'm excited with how it turned out. Um, it's been a process for sure, but I think it turned out really well. <laughs> That, that is um, that is an understatement for every convention um, ever. So well done. Thank you for paying it forward for your, wait, is it local Oklahomians? Is that how, how, how I don't know. We're, We're South well, Carolinians. You can say Oklahomans or um, less formal, we're Okies. Oh, I like the Okies. That's <laughs> less complicated to say. It's not as yeah. like many syllables. Yes. Yes. Well, thank you. Thank Sarah. Seriously. Thank you. This is, this is good stuff. Um, hold on real quick. I'm going to switch this over to questions. Okay. Okay.